But, you know, when we're talking about KPIs, one thing that I think would benefit many organizations is to look at the PM and the PMM's KPIs and see if more of them should actually be the same. Because right now you often have a PM that is um, delivering the product and then you have somebody else who might be responsible for, for the leads, but they don't have any ones that they actually share except for maybe the overall revenue of the product. It would benefit the whole product if, for example, a PM also got measured on number of new customers or successful campaigns, for example. That is Lisa Collin, my guest for this episode of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, the podcast for product managers and product marketers, everyone trying to get great new products to market. This is episode number 60, and you can find the show notes at alltheresponsibility.com slash 60, including the book that Lisa recommends toward the end and her contact information. Lisa is a market readiness director for Visma, one of the largest software companies in Europe. Visma is in many businesses, including healthcare information systems and ERP systems and many more. The position of market readiness director is one that Lisa herself was instrumental in creating, as you'll hear in the interview, and it has had a big impact on the success of product launches and go-to-market for Visma. Lisa lives in Sweden in a little town near the Norwegian border that happens to be best known as the location for a series of Swedish detective mysteries. Visma itself is located in Oslo, Norway, about two hours away, although Lisa tends to spend most of her time on the road these days, at least when the world is not in a state of quarantine as it is at the time that we recorded this interview. Like many Scandinavians in high-tech, Lisa speaks perfect English with a delightful accent, but an interesting fact is that she came by her English in a bit of an unusual way, she spent a year in high school as an exchange student in Boise, Idaho, so sort of the middle of America. So I started out the interview by asking Lisa about this position she created and how that came about. Well, I worked in product for over 10 years uh, in different areas, um, and I always worked very close to marketing and sales because I think it's so important that you take the full responsibility of your product all the way to the end. But we had some, um, I don't know how to call it, but we, we, we didn't always get that message through. And we saw that there was a need to follow the product further down the line into the business unit's other functions. And as a product manager, you are quite focused on the actual product. And there's always something you have to work on when it comes to roadmaps, prioritization, etc. So you didn't always have the time to actually follow through. And that is what market readiness is about. We created this to ensure that we follow through with all other areas. The way that I think about this is that it, you sort of sit between product management and product marketing management. Is that a, a good model to think of it? No, I, I, I would rather see it as um, an enabler. Um, so Visma, where I work, we have many, many different business units, you know, over 100 um, and in each business unit, you have, there's a PMM there many times and uh, that part of the organization. And then you have product development as one part of the organization. Uh, those two work together. My job is to enable the collaboration between those two areas 
and lifting the product marketing manager and increase that role a bit within the whole group. You know, Visma is we're 10,000 people where I work. So um, there's quite a lot of people to work with. Right. When you say lift the product marketing manager, what sorts of things are you doing to do that? Well, we've created um, an academy for all our PMMs and everyone who works with go-to-market in our organization. So I have regular trainings with them. We train them in tools and and uh, have workshops with them. And then I work with specific projects when we have a larger go-to-market process with one of our business units. Then me or others from the team that I'm in can go in and uh, work with them. So this academy is sort of all PMMs are required to go or they are suggested to go and, and approximately how much do you give them in this academy? Well, we have deep dives every month. We have different packages, if you want to call it. Uh, we have, uh, you know, intro trainings for new PMMs um, where they learn about our framework and, and uh, what's expected from a PMM, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then everybody who wants to attend the webinars can do that. We've gathered all material from our academy into one space um, within Bisma, and uh, they can dig deeper when they have the time. Sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's been really good. It's. We've been going on for a year and a half now, and uh, get regular questions about it. We have a fiscal gathering about once a year. Last time we gathered 120 people in London. That was great. Fantastic. Are, is this something you do on your own, or do you have a staff? Uh, I have colleagues that I work with, but uh, it's my responsibility to ensure that we have this in place. And I work with all these different people in the organization and enable them. So in one interview, you said that uh, product marketing managers need to take responsibility for the whole go-to-market process, not just the marketing, but the commercialization. Now, I think in the States, we kind of think of the marketing and commercialization as the same to some degree. Mm -hmm. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? The differentiation well, there? Right. So would you say that customer success and uh, consulting and those areas also is something that marketing usually covers? Uh, typically not, actually. And I think we wouldn't, assume, we wouldn't assume that was part of commercialization, right? No. And what we've seen is that if we look at this a bit wider, when you have a new product and you're going to bring it out into the market, if you don't think about those areas as well and have somebody who is what we call the launch team manager, then some things tend to fall between the chairs, as we say it, meaning that we have had situations when something was just not thought of, so you have to fix it at the end. Do you recognize that situation at all? That never happens. <laughs> that never happens. Right, right. <laughs> well, then you would be the first, I guess. Um but that's what we created. So we want to ensure that when we say that a product is ready to, to be launched, that we've thought of everything from the legal process uh, to ensure that you have all your subcontract agreements uh, in place to, you know, what's the billing going to look like? And when you set the pricing, have you taken into account both the cost of the development and hosting it, but also, for example, uh, customer success and, and the costs that are connected to that? A lot of times we would think of that more as part of product management, although it is easy to let it just slide as well. That's what uh, what we've seen as well. And that's what me and my team has been discussing. Yeah. So you say that this is what the product manager should be doing. Well, what we see is that you have to think broader um, because there's always a 
something extra that you have to think of that has not always been in has been considered and the situation is that you don't have as much of a ownership within the organization yes product will will handle quite a bit of course but there's other parts of the organization that has to take a, a larger ownership actually so right. that's also parts of what we've been doing is to actually discuss what deliveries it doesn't really matter what title you have if you're a PMM or you're a business developer or if you're working in marketing um, but who is taking the full responsibility for everything that is not product that makes a lot of sense to me tell me a little bit about your thinking about the product management role as a whole I mean again this is a podcast more for product managers than anyone else although I am very happy to have product marketing managers in the audience as well so what do you, how do you describe product management? What, what do you think it is? And do we indeed need them in this? Oh, moment? definitely. Um, I would say that, well, we still need both PMs and PMMs in today's uh, organization. Um, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be called PO or PM all the time, but I would describe it as the one that takes the lead on the tasks to build a product uh, that solves the customer's problem and that is um, owning the roadmap uh, and the overall strategy. That is the the side that is the PM. Mm -hmm. And then you could say directly that the PMM is then responsible for bringing those products to the market, who is owning the customer-led activities, you know, guiding marketing and sales on the best customer engagement. Right. Um, so I guess somebody put it as the, the PM ensures that the product is on the shelf and the PMM ensures that the product is leaving the shelf. <laughs> nice. And then where do you think the, the best opportunities for collaboration are with product marketing and product management? I would say pricing and packaging for sure. That's, that's definitely a place where they should collaborate. And also when it comes to insight. And I also think that they should collaborate when it comes to setting the strategy for the product. To give input to the roadmap from different perspectives, I think that they can benefit even more. I actually read this uh, study from um, Gartner uh, a couple of months back that if a PM rates collaboration with the rest of the organization as one of their top three deliveries, they have an, I think the delta was 18% uh, when it comes to the success of their actual product, they will have a better success rate. Sure. If they collaborate with the PMMs and others in the organization. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does, but it doesn't always happen. <laughs> no, of course. You talked you talked about strategy and about the product manager essentially being the driver, the responsible for the strategy and the PM, the product marketing manager collaborating on that. What are the components of strat of a good strategy in your view from in this at this level? So I would say that um, the strategy here is about which product are we going to develop that our customers are willing and interested to pay for mm -hmm. um, so that we can sell what we're developing and developing what we can sell. That's my high level answer to your question. And then in terms of determining what customers need or want, that is also a collaboration between product managers and product marketing. Product marketing obviously has a lot of input into that. Who's, who is responsible for determining out of all the things we could build? For example, we have a pipeline of problems that we found in the market and we've determined that a number of them are 
would make would be worthwhile to build, which one do we decide on? Who who's responsible for that decision? In our organization, that is something that we come up with together. Mm-hmm. Even though it's the PM that leads that meeting, it is people from different parts of the organization that are involved. Cool. Obviously, when you have smaller calls, then uh, the PM is still the person that owns the uh, the roadmap. Right. You, I think you mentioned you have some checklists yeah. and some methodology. So talk a little bit about how you're organizing that process. I think it's very interesting because it is a lot of complicated moving parts in a go-to-market and commercialization. Definitely. Well, so what we did, me and my team, um, we uh, at that time we started, we were quite a couple that were working specifically with market readiness. So um, me and my colleagues, we were working with developing this home framework, uh, starting with what we said as the commercialization process, again, a bit wider than just the marketing side, and then developing this checklist and some tools needed for, for ensuring that you have everything in place that that you can sort of check off um, and give you some headspace because you can never create a complete checklist when you have over a hundred products, then you have to be okay with that checklist is going to cover 80%, but it's going to give the headspace to the person in charge to focus on what else do I need to think of in order to do a great delivery of this product and to reach day zero as quick as possible. And how often do people have to go through this checklist? Like how often are you releasing and, or do you, do you have a different process for maybe a major release versus a small release, something like that? Yeah, we have a tier one, two and three releases. Um, So obviously a tier one release is a lot more work than if it's, um, you know, regular updates. We have so many different products that I wouldn't be able to give you a, a direct answer, but I would say, if you're launching a larger module um, or a brand new product, you'll go through the whole checklist. If you're launching something much smaller, then we have a process for that that is a lot less extensive. Can you talk a little bit more about how you're implementing those, what's in those checklists? Yeah, so um, obviously you can't create a checklist that covers everything uh, from on-prem to, to cloud releases and large and, and small releases. but what we've done is that we've gone through each area um, in our organization to see what has to be in place for us to know that we're ready for launch. That means that uh, we've looked at it quite high level um, when it comes to sales, marketing, the actual product, customer success, support, the legal side, et cetera, et cetera. And we've created a checklist that covers all of them. It has the task, and then it has a couple of questions on each task um, meant to stimulate your ideas. Perhaps it's not exactly this way you have to approach it, but if I change this or that, then this checklist works for me. Um, We've had trainings on it for the past year and a half, and it's, um, I mean, I think many, many different companies have checklists. We just created one for us. Um, and how do you how do you manage this? Is there like a, a single copy that for each product and people go in and check off their part or? The ownership of the checklist is the PMM mm-hmm. uh, who goes through it with the PM and then the rest of the organization as they see fit. Usually a PM together with a PMM can answer most of the, the first questions in our checklist. Mm-hmm. And then they have to go into that with the different experts to answer 
details when you come down to um, marketing, sales, customer success, etc. Great. Yeah. And then you also mentioned that you have some KPIs associated to this whole process. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about those? Well, for us, it's important that you know when you're delivering that you have delivered enough, um, that you're actually reached your targets and you know when to, um, well, how to handle the life cycle of the product. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have some KPIs specifically for our PMMs. Um, and then we also have some uh, KPIs that the PM and the PMM should be collaborating on, but that's up to each business unit to set. Mm-hmm. And and you also mentioned, I think that you have expectations. I think this is in the checklist for how the product should be performing out in the in the market in terms of, I guess, usage and how much how much sales, and even criteria for determining if the product is successful. Is that right? Not in the checklist, but we do a, a commercial business plan for the product as well. I and see. in that, we set up what uh, key metrics should be for that product. And do you kill a product if it doesn't meet those metrics? Uh, well, in the long term, you cannot have a product that doesn't um, create the revenue that you're expecting. But, you know, when we're talking about KPIs, um, one thing that I think would benefit many organizations is actually to to look at the PM and the PMM's KPIs or OKRs or whatever they're being measured on mm-hmm. um, and see if some of, more of them should actually be the same. Because right now you often have a PM that is um, delivering the product and then you have somebody else who might be responsible for, for the leads, but they don't have any ones that they actually share except for maybe the overall revenue of the product. I right. think that... Um, it would benefit the whole product if, for example, a PM also got measured on, say, number of new customers or uh, successful campaigns, for example. Right. <clears throat> and and do you do that at, at Visma? Uh, it depends very yep. much of the organization, sure. I'd say. But uh, yes, some are definitely doing this. Some are see, some organizations. Some teams have some joint KPIs. Yes. Okay, interesting. Yeah, that that's... And personally, I think that was the best when when I worked as a um as a PLM and worked together with my development manager at that time. This was a, in an older organization. Um we delivered a lot more because we now had joint KPIs that we both focused on uh, and it made us sharper in our deliveries. Interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting thing you sort of you, you were you had to collaborate because you were being held to the same standard in some sense. Yes, because if not, then a PM could say that, you know, we've done our part, we have uh, developed what you asked for, but then the organization from sales and marketing would say, yes, but we can't sell what you've actually developed. (laughs) Um, Why should then a PM actually get their bonus (laughs) if they have a bonus uh, when the organization can actually not gain any revenue from that product yet? Yes. So reaching day zero, I think, would be a good KPI um, to measure day zero is very difficult to know when the customer actually have use of the product. You know, when you run your first um, pay run, for example, in, in your HRM system or um, ERP system uh, is delivering what you're expecting that um, that's when we know that the customer is hooked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the product doesn't get there, then it's not a good product. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 
in this process, I imagine you've come up with some specific kinds of things that you need the product managers, for example, to deliver to the product marketing managers for success. Can you give a sense of, of what are the key things that product marketing managers need from product managers? So for a PMM, I would say that they need a lot of input when it comes to roadmap, what's going to happen, what is that going to mean for our customer, um, understanding the costs connected to each part of the product, uh, both for developing it, but also for hosting it, of course. Here in Visma, we're working lots with cloud products um, for both SMB and enterprise. And uh, those products obviously have connections to or costs connected to it um, when you're hosting them as well. But uh, you also need input on what's the what does the market look like from product perspective? What competing products or solutions are out there? Uh, what's possible to do in an, in the ecosystem, and get that insight. And then uh, vice versa, as you know, this podcast is focused primarily on product managers as opposed to product mar- marketing managers. But I I'm always interested in what should product managers look to the product marketing organization or actually indeed yourself for uh, insights or for to, to help us create more value? I would say that a PMM should be the one that has the finger on the pulse, so to speak. They know what's being mm-hmm. talked about in the market, what specific things or solutions are our customers actually willing to pay for. Because there's one thing to develop something that we know that our customers want, but are they also willing to pay for it? That is usually another discussion. So I would say that PMMs can provide lots of market insight and understanding into which product parts to focus the most on and which has the most commercial value. How is the product marketing team getting those insights? I'm just sort of curious how they are listening to the market and and kind of what their process is. Most of our PMMs are extremely... um, they're, They're very much out there in the market. They're meeting our customers, but... And they're going to, you know, events, et cetera, to, to meet our customers, but they do different competition analysis and, and so forth, depending on what product they have. A lot of what you're talking about as things that you expect to get from the product marketing organization, I kind of lump in with what product management mm. should be doing, finding market problems, validating them that they're worth solving and things like that. I'm not beholden to the idea that it has to be product management. It's just that these are functions that need to be done and often. I agree. And I think it depends very much on the size of the company and, and you know, what type of organization you have. This is obviously in a, the, you know, dream state that you have a full PM and a full PMM and that they can collaborate. I think that is what we're aiming for, but you will have a situation when the PM and PMM is the same person as well. But I think and what we've seen is that our, if you have the same the role of PM and PMM, I would say 90% mm-hmm. of your time uh, goes towards the product and only 10% goes towards sales and marketing and enabling them to actually do their job because the product will always take over. You can always argue that if I don't work with a the product, then you don't have anything to sell. So it's easy to prioritize the PM side. Totally understand that. And and a lot of what I actually talk about on this podcast as well is the importance of the things that you're talking about, the understanding the the market effectively, doing go-to-market, because the reality is it's not a sustainable thing, but you can definitely 
go to market with a solution that doesn't exist. Yes, you can. <laughs> Eventually, you'd want a you you want there to be a solution, but you don't need one to go to market. No, but and if you work in uh, enterprise business, many times the sales process can be up to a couple of years long, right? So you actually yes. have to start discussing it before you might have everything in place because that's going to be developed long before the sales process is going to be closed. That's right. So it's it's an interesting. Um, you know, I think that we're very aligned in the sense of the, all these things need to be done. And then you're, you've created a, a specific model for getting it done in your, in the Visma organization. But let's, uh, we can talk a bit more on that. Okay. So the reason why I see this is so important is that when the PM does not always have the commercial mindset, possibly, you know, they, they mm -hmm. definitely understand the importance, but to actually cover marketing and sales focus as well, that's quite difficult. Um, and I should also say that most of our PMMs actually have a product background. So they don't come from marketing and they don't. most of them don't report to marketing. That's also a difference that I think that most other organizations wouldn't recognize. Um, and that's why I think it's so important that this is a role that is an enabler for marketing and sales. And sort of the translator from product over to um, the more commercial side of the organization. Drilling down a bit on that, what sorts of things do the PMMs create or do they even do this for the sales organization? Well, that would be all the collateral. Uh, in Visma, you know, you don't always have complete sales presentations, but it could be um, the the slide deck, the, uh, the background that is needed to create content in a marketing automation campaign, for example. Mm -hmm. um, and they often work very much with our events and they work with pricing. They actually own the pricing in uh, our organization to, to prepare everything to the board. Do they also do things like competitive objection? Absolutely, all the, the analysis there. But that's something that they collaborate with. I would say that... RPMs and PMMs work really closely together, really well, um, in order for them to together create a analysis of a you know of a market um, that both covers the product side and the market side. Do your PMMs uh, create customer success stories as well? That would be something that uh, they could help with, but mm -hmm. that's usually marketing. I talk a lot about the value of customer success stories for selling. Absolutely of the actual story itself as a collateral, but also in terms of handling object, handling objections and doing qualification and prospecting, using customer stories sort of as the basis for, you know, helping a prospect understand if they're aligned with with our solution, things like that. Yeah, I agree. We're, we're pretty heavy <laughs> into storytelling as well. Uh, we're using uh, Andy Raskin's model, um, and which I'm sure you're very <laughs> familiar with. Um, and the last part there is also the confirmation and, and having good customer stories that shows that you help somebody else to achieve the promised land that uh, that your customer wants. Yeah, and I'll put a link to the Andy Raskin, the the greatest sales deck I've ever seen is yes. the name of the article. It's a fantastic article. It's about really good. <laughs> how to tell a story in a sales presentation. And so do you, you just basically use the Andy Raskin structure for your storytelling? We use that as a, as a base for the framework, yes. 
but we've uh, we're, we've worked on the uh, interviewing stage for uh, the customers a bit on what questions to ask to to find the change and the challenge uh, in the best way and uh, working together with customer success there actually. What I'm going to talk about on on Thursday is actually how to create the strategic narrative internally to uh, help the POs and PMs to get their message across in the rest of the organization and how to align your strategy based on your story. I always like to ask my guests, is there a a book that maybe you recommend to folks that you found very influential? It could be about product marketing or product management, or it could be about something, some other totally different topic. Um, I've got two for you. First one is a book, very easy to read, short, The Product Marketing Manager in a Tech Company by an author named Lucas Weber. Um, that is something that uh, many of our PMMs and actually our, our management also has read um, in my division. So that's, uh, that's a great book. And then uh, you've already mentioned Andrew Raskin. So I would say if you understand how to create that story, that means that you can create more value for marketing and sales. So whether you're a PM or a PMM, understanding what your product's role in that story is and to be able to tell that story to the rest of the organization will actually help you and get your product further out there in a much, much more effective way. Excellent. I'll put links to all of these, the Lucas Weber book, as well as the Andy Raskin articles into the show notes. So Lisa, how should people reach out to you or get in touch with you? Um, I guess they should check out LinkedIn. Um, I spell my name, my name with a Z, so it's Lisa Colin. Um, that's probably the only one you'll find that is a storytelling ninja on uh, from Visma on LinkedIn. Okay, very good. And I'll put a link to that, of course, in the show notes as well. So Cool. Again, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been really interesting. Lots of good ideas and lots of chale- good challenges for us to step up to in the product world, I think. Yeah, I think that uh, the world and our products are going to be a lot better if uh, we get people to take the full responsibility together and collaborate. So thanks for having me. Okay, that was a great call to action for all us product managers and product marketing managers. Work together and collaborate. And I hope you got some great ideas for how to do that during my interview with Lisa. I want to thank her again for coming on the show and sharing her experience as the product readiness director for Visma. Now, you can find the show notes for this episode at alltheresponsibility.com slash 60. You'll find a link to the Lucas Weber book, which I still need to read, by the way, and a link to the fantastic Andy Raskin article called The Greatest Sales Deck I've Ever Seen, which I've actually mentioned on the podcast before. It is a classic, and it's well worth your time to study and apply. Now, of course, I'll also share Lisa's LinkedIn link so you can reach out to her or just follow her on LinkedIn, and I'll put a link into The Ice Princess the first book in the series of murder mysteries that take place in Lisa's town of Fjellbacke, which I didn't really say correctly, by Camilla Lechberg. Now on the show notes page, you can also find links to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. The great benefit, of course, of subscribing is that you get new episodes automatically in your player when I release them, which is usually but not always once a week on Tuesday or Wednesday, depending on how the weekend went. Now the March 2020 schedule has been a little bit off, but we'll be ramping it up again starting with this episode. 
And I'll be focusing on go-to-market for the next few episodes, all organized around the idea of how to use the stories of your successful customers to create powerful positioning, marketing campaigns, and sales tools. Of course, we can also use those stories for helping us create better products, but that's not going to be the focus of this series of episodes. We'll talk about that more. And it's much more than just customer success story collateral that you can get from a good customer success story. So until the next episode, and on behalf of Lisa Collin, again, whom I thank for joining me, this is Nels Davis signing off. Bye-bye. We have ignition.